0: This is The Dugout. Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer Every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners.
1: The Scott Service Show, presented by Pizza Hut, with support from Mazda of Everett. Christopher Negron stepping in for Scott today. Chris, you were manager of the Rainiers last season. Congrats, by the way, on being AAA West champs. But last weekend was your first time managing a major league team. How have your first few days been?
2: Uh, It was exciting. Uh, We had a little bit of everything throughout those games, uh, those first five games that I was doing it. But, uh, no, it's super exciting. I learned a ton. Um, And I'm just, we're surrounded by such great people and great staff that definitely being able to lean on them for help um, throughout the game, you know, pre and post game definitely helps out a ton.
3: Christopher, when something like that happens, obviously it's under weird circumstances and not necessarily the circumstances that you would love to have that opportunity. But what has it been like since you've, you know, stepped into this role and have had to make some of these critical decisions? In critical moments, I mean, it's not like you've been able to kind of kick back and relax. I mean, this this is these have been some tight, crazy ball games here.
2: Oh yeah, no, it, it's definitely been different. But I think last year uh, managing Triple A has definitely prepared me for for this type of situation and and things that may come up in the game. And again, leaning on. On our pitching coaches and our entire staff um, throughout the game, kind of talking over scenarios, and there's a lot of planning that goes on before the games too. So when a certain situation comes up, we're able to slow the game down and 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 make you know our the most informed decision um, while we're out there. So um, yeah, it, it was a little different, but uh, at the same time, leaning on the staff helps out.
1: Hey, can you walk us through how exactly uh, that situation happened what, as far as you getting the call? Was it like Scott, like, hey, I can't do it, Manny's out, Chris, you're in? I mean, what happened behind the scenes?
2: Yeah, no, we all got together on a phone call um, and kind of discussed the situation, and that's when they uh, let me know that, that this is the route they were going to go. And essentially, like I said, I mean, it sounds like a broken record, but it's been a total group effort out here um, with Tony, Trent, Carson, uh, JD, twenty nine and just everybody, just kind of kind of going over situations.
1: Now, obviously, you're well respected, well liked, but you're also younger, <laughs> so I have to think that a couple of the guys, a couple of the players, were teasing you, giving you a hard time. Uh, any stories on your first day with with any players uh, raving you a little?
2: Yeah, they all, they all have been giving me a hard time, especially because I've played with JP, I played with Marco, Demo, um, played against Ty France, right. and. Uh, Suarez I played with, but no, they've been, it's been all lighthearted. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, they get a kick out of calling me Skip, saluting me everywhere <laughs> I <told them>, go <laughs> calling me the boss. But, uh, I told them I'm still the same guy. But, uh, now it, it's been fun and I couldn't imagine doing this with, with a, a more fun group. Again, like I was able to play with some of these guys, you know, share the field. I've turned double plays with JP and stuff yeah. like that. So it's definitely a different type of dynamic. I mean, um, but no, they've been great.
1: I feel like that's very on brand for what friends would do to other friends. It's just over exaggerate, like you got it, sir. <laughs> You're like I
2: hate yeah. Of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: d- d- dusting off the bench. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I th- this has been you know really fun to watch this team, and obviously everyone's been anxious to see how the 2022 season is going to go and how it's going to start. And this home stand was absolutely incredible to watch. Uh, this team really come together uh, in in multiple ways. So far in a very short period of time, there's so much more baseball to go, and you guys are going to go on a very important road trip here. Uh, What have you learned about this team thus far?
2: We're just a very tight-knit group. Um, I think we really set the tone in spring training of just gelling together, becoming just, you know, just we're all tugging the same way, Um, and just the camaraderie that we have the gel that we've created throughout spring training and just carried over in season. It's a really close group guys, you know, they get together when off the field, um, getting dinners, kind of just spending time with each other. And I think that's, I think that's great. I think whenever you can have that type of connection with your teammates and with your staff, um, you're destined to do big things.
1: Uh, Chris, you can't really uh, afford to get thrown out of a game or ejected right now, given uh, the <laughs> staffing shortage that you guys have. But how tempting is it when you see a horrible call Julio getting rung up or or someone else to like do you have to stop yourself from not going out there to argue your case?
2: <laughs> There's been a few choice words said from the dugout but uh, <laughs> nah, it, it, it's a different type of situation I can't just run out there and, right. and, and do all that and again I'm, I'm a young coach so I'm put in this situation um, but no it's it, it. there has been some things that have come up but you know we just got to stay calm stay cool uh, and let the game play out.
3: Uh, the the run that J.P. Crawford and Ty France had in this home stand just was remarkable. And uh, Christopher, I, I have been arguing with everybody. You know, I know that the numbers are going to come back down, but the their approach it doesn't feel out of the realm of possibilities that they can keep this going. It, that that's what it feels like. What is it about their approach that that makes this? Sustainable, Not necessarily, you know, Ty France hitting 500 in the homestand, but how how they can continue to keep having success with the way that they're playing.
2: Oh, they've done a great job of just staying within themselves, not trying to do too much. Um, there's been big spots in the game where they put together at-backs and draw a walk or, you know, take the single to the right side. They've just been doing a great job staying within themselves, swinging at the right pitches. Uh, and when the pitcher makes a mistake, you know, put a good swing on it. So they've done a great job of that. They got on base an absolute ton of that stand, just kind of passing the ton. And that just brings the next man up like a, like a Gino or a Wink to come through in those situations or Kellnick and Julio. So they've done a great job of getting on base and swinging to the pitches um, that they should be swinging at.
1: Uh, have you been uh, talking with Scott at all during this process about, you know, like, hey, does managing... What's tough is you've had managing experience. It's just not at the majors. So it's not like you don't know what, about managing on the road, for instance. But has he been reaching out to to give advice or say anything?
2: Yeah, no, we talk, you know, we debrief after every game. And we talk the next morning, just kind of going over the possibilities, scenarios and stuff um, that can happen within the series. Uh, but he's done a great job uh, communicating with the entire staff uh, throughout this process, um, and he's been in all our meetings. He's just not physically here with us, uh, but he's been with every meeting and, and and helping us out every step of the way.
3: Uh, Christopher, you know, coming back to you know some of the names that you just mentioned, uh, Gino and and uh, and Winker. You know, everybody talks about Winker and and gosh, you know, just had a bunch of bad luck, all that. But how impressive is it to see him go through that and still? put quality at-bats together whether it's you know contributing with walks or you know the 11 pitch uh, back-to-back at-bats uh what what does that say about who the type of player that Jesse Winker is
2: oh he's great um like I said like like you just said he's puts together at bat after at bat and I think it's great for for the young players to see too to see him not pressing to see him just not trying to do too much and trying to take over the moments, just kind of let things come to him. Um, I think it's a great example for the young guys to see. Um, And like I said, he's an unbelievable teammate. He comes in positive every day, despite of what's been going on. Um, And he's just a real energy in the clubhouse.
1: Hey, Christopher, outside of uh, just talking about managing or talking about this team, in the specific moment, you said something really interesting when we interviewed you uh, on uh, the home opener, which is that you love analytics. You've gotten really into it. And it's one of your favorite parts of your job is just constantly evolving the way that you think about the game and and realizing you can still learn about the game. Now it's only been a week and a half (laughs) since (laughs) since we talked to you, but, uh, but for like hardcore baseball fans that are listening, I understand that this maybe isn't for everyone, but for hardcore fans, that would never normally get a chance to say, like, hey, Christopher, what are you really into right now? What's something that, that you really love reading about right now or something that's really informed uh, some decisions or knowledge that you have this year?
2: I think, I mean, it's not necessarily diving into analytics of it, but it's just the process of how we, you know, do our pregame planning and, and, and bullpen stuff like that, which is, again, being a position player my entire career, I didn't get a, a huge exposure to how the bullpen works and everything. But managing last year, Uh, and talking with pitching coaches. And then, again, this year, kind of pre-planning pockets and and going over the numbers and analytics from that perspective. has been super eye-opening. And and I think our pitching staff does an an unbelievable job.
3: Uh, Christopher, I I, got to know, because it was – so fun to see it on Saturday. Was at the game? Uh they roll out uh Gino, the the the, the good vibes uh video that they had playing on the Jumbotron. I know you guys see that. Uh Gino dancing on the Jumbotron and everything. Uh did you guys give him a a, a hard time for that? A little ribbing. Uh he he's got some he's got some moves.
2: Oh, absolutely. It played for the whole half inning. Right. He came up to the plate. <laughs> And he was just dancing the entire time. I thought it was great. I caught myself watching the entire thing from the time. Uh, and I was giving him a hard time for it the next day. I saw him down in the tunnel stretching, so I walked by him doing a little dance moves myself just to get him to smile. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's a big personality. He's been a great piece uh, that we added in spring training. And, and, I mean, good vibes. You can't go wrong with that. That's no, right. He's
1: been so fun. We interviewed him a while ago, and he was just like, the nicest most open dude it's just you guys have a really fun team right now like it is a fun team we've I'm speaking for Jake but Jake and I and then Curtis uh when he interviews have just had the best time talking with some of these guys do you feel that energy even just as you know uh in your normal role as first base coach or you know in your limited time up here with the team so far is is it just kind of a contagious energy
2: Oh yeah, no. You see it from the bus. You see it from in the clubhouse, and it translate onto the field. Um, like I said earlier, it's just a really close knit guys. These guys love each other. They're out here. We want to win ball games, um, and we're willing to you know help out any contribute any way we can from the coaching staff and from the, the players' perspective. So, it's a really close knit group. The energy's been amazing, and uh, we're looking forward to just you know keep riding it out.
3: You know, Christopher, you guys have had to do this in in a number of different ways in terms of early adversity with injuries, uh, you know, whether it's having Scott Service out and, and you're filling in for him, Mitch Haniger being out. Uh, I know Torrenz comes back for, for this road trip, but he's been out. Uh, Paul Seawald, Sergio Romo, Ken Giles didn't get to start the season, unfortunately, but you guys have just kept plugging away. Uh, you know, is that easy to do? It, you know, in your in your experience, is that something that's easy to do? Get lost in the moment and just kind of lock in, or does it take a special group to be able to kind of plug and play and and no matter the circumstances?
2: No, I think I think it speaks for the depth of the team, uh, whether it's in the bullpen or position player wise. I think getting opportunities is big. Um, it's learning experiences. It's getting to whether it's pitching in situations that you normally don't think you would have, or coming up to hit in situations that you don't think you would have. I think it sets us up sets us up well um throughout the year uh getting experience in certain things that you wouldn't necessarily be a part of you know that can come in big uh later on in the year um when games you know every game counts throughout the entire season but you know the lights seem a little bit brighter towards the end of the year um so i think it's great experience for all the guys
1: have you learned anything about yourself while doing all of this like on a more like introspective level
2: uh (laughs) It is a little bit a little bit stressful uh, in-game, but just trying to calm yourself down and slow the game down. Um, it's a little different than AAA, obviously, uh, but I definitely think that experience helped me out a time to prepare myself for this.
1: Uh, all right, very last question. Easiest one we're going to ask, but uh, tough road trip here. Nine games, and you're going to be overseeing this. What's your message to the team? What's the keys to this team?
2: Just stay the course, you know, just kind of parlay what we, did we were able to do at home, swinging at the right pitches, getting ahead, staying ahead, um, and let the rest take care of itself. Um, we're going to, yeah, you said it's a, it's a tough road trip, but, you know, we're up for it. If We're, we're, uh, we're the ball club, and uh, we're just going to go out there and play hard.
1: All right, he is interim manager, the skipper, Christopher Negron, stepping in for the Scott Service Show. Christopher, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. We
3: are saluting you right now. Yeah, right Sending now you we're off. also
1: saluting you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate
2: it.
1: All right. Thanks again to Christopher Negron for joining us in place of Scott's service. Speaking of this upcoming series, according to our own Shannon Dreyer, Mitch Hanniger and Paul Seawald are at Tropicana Field ahead of the Mariners game against the Rays this afternoon, but Shannon adds that neither player will be activated today. Uh, I know, sorry. I wanted maybe a longer cliffhanger there. Oh Mitch Hanniger and Paul Seawald are at Tropicana uh, Field. What? They're not playing today. Uh, They're not playing today. Damn. Yeah. Sorry guys. Okay. Um, but it is good news obviously that it would appear both are out. I don't know about out of covid protocol, but if they're they out They have there, to be, right? If they're, if they're there, they can't be traveled around with the, the team. team yeah. Out there with the team. <laughs> I'm going to assume that hey, we're not activating them today, but they will be activated after trip. I think
4: trip. it's probably a precautionary measure right. to keep them out tonight just having not played in about right, a week right. each. Just give them a day to ramp back up. Uh, and hopefully tomorrow they're able to go. Yeah. Uh, No corresponding moves have been announced yet, and I don't think that's going to be the case until those guys are activated. So Mm -hmm. what we saw on Sunday, probably going to be the roster we see today.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, if they are activated, who gets sent down? We're looking at two players here.
4: I think Penn Murphy is the obvious choice in the bullpen, um, just because he has the least amount of major league experience. Offensively... There could be a few options. I mean, you have three catchers out there. I mean,
1: well, Luis, Luis Torres just activated that's, yesterday. Yeah,
4: so that he's your third catcher. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. Eh, I mean, but what I'm
1: saying is, do they do that after just activating? Oh, it would be like Cal or someone.
4: M- maybe. I is there? There are plenty of options.
3: There there are plenty of options, but it would be Donnie Walton. Yeah. That's, yeah. Don yeah. Donnie Walton right now is. I knew we were forgetting about somebody that was up activated right yeah. now on the on the. Uh, roster, But Donnie Walton that would be the guy that, that would get sent back down uh, the moment that Hanegar is brought on. So, um, you know, there wouldn't really be any big shakeups or anything different to the roster that was created or formulated to start the year. So, um, you know, it'd be very, you know, it'd be minor moves and and nothing too dramatic. And, you know, we can't wait for that to eventually happen. And, you know, my the thing I'd be curious about is... Is it is it a because they're at Tropicana Field? Is it a sign that they're more likely to get activated within this series, or is it just to link them up with the team as they, they ramp up, up, and it's more likely that they that they. You know, begin to play against the. Marlins. I would assume
1: it's this series, but maybe that's an unfair assumption. But bringing them out there when it's like you can have charter jets, you can take them out there for the next series if you need to. I am assuming personally that they'll be activated soon. Just yeah, I, tonight's.
4: Game. I think we will see them at some point in this series.
3: Okay, because I I hope so. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah,
4: I if they weren't, I just I don't really see the point in bringing them to Tampa with the team. Right? Maybe it's just send them forward to Miami, but. I think we're going to see them at some point over the next two days after today. One okay. more thing
1: I want to talk about while we're on this topic before we get to tie France, which is what I originally wanted to talk about, but then we had this important news here, important update. It is impressive to see what they've been able to do without Haniger. That is in large part because of France, yes. But think of you know this point last year or even mid-season, late-season last year. We'd be saying, what are you going to do without Mitch Haniger? He is your best hitter. What are you going to do? Yeah. The answer was have an offensive explosion.
3: Yeah, it, it was. I mean, you needed you needed everyone to you know pull in and pitch in together because if you remember to start the year last year before JP got hot, I mean it was really the it was a it was a three headed horse situation where it was either Kyle Seeger, Ty France, or Mitch Haniger. Those were the only three bats that produced any runs for you whatsoever, and if you were going to win, it was going to be on the backs of those three. And eventually you started to get more contribution. You got JP Crawford involved. And then you started having, you know, random contributions from the back half of your lineup, whether it was, you know, Rake Fraley uh, coming in clutch there for, for, you know, a month of the season before he cooled off, Abraham Toro, uh, uh, you know, Luis Torrens. I mean, there were guys that, the different guys that had different moments. We played a, a highlight earlier during last year's Tampa Bay series of Shed Long pulling out a Grand Slam. So it was very erratic. For this offense this year, I think that it's it's way more stable because you're having Ty France, J.P. Crawford play at such an unbelievable level, but then you're also getting contributions from uh, Eugenio Suarez. Great contributions from him, and hopefully that can continue uh, on the road. Uh, Jesse Winker's given you good, solid pro at bats. Adam Frazier has been a, uh, a bright spot, a star in some of these games, right? And then... The the one thing that we haven't talked about, and and I know you guys in particular, you know, before the weekend, were you know kind of saying, "Hey, gotta kind of keep an eye on Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez in terms of whether or not these guys need another stint in you know at AAA." First to- of all,
1: lower your voice. <laughs> we said no such thing. I don't <laughs> remember ever. I think somebody
4: else. Oh, really? <laughs> really? It was it? It wasn't you two. We weren't having a debate about this. It was, really it was, it was right Tracy and. Um... and- Cortez and Cortez, but, but, <laughs> I was going to say, but Bertis. but those nothing but, rhymes with my name. But those two guys, uh,
3: you know, they they still were, they still had their struggles. But the difference is, is that they're contributing through the struggles, right? I mean, Jared Kelnick, y- you can still be frustrated with some of his plate appearances and recognize the fact that over the last what was it eight games that he's driven in, or what was it ten games, he's driven in seven RBIs. Mm-hmm that Julio Rodriguez has contributed to this ball club with either walks, uh getting on base, RBIs at different points, stolen bases, like they're still finding ways through the struggle in their early careers right now to start the 2022 season, they're still contributing which to me is 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 positive but also worth having them on the roster and if if they can still find a way to positively contribute to these wins while they're struggling, man that's a beautiful thing because eventually they are going to find their, they're going to hit their stride and you're going to get some real, serious, seriously fun contributions from them.
1: All right, lineups are out for Seattle versus Tampa Bay. No Kelnick in this one. Uh, You've got Adam Frazier at second in order. Ty France, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, J.P. Crawford, Abraham Toro, your D.H. for the night, Tom Murphy, your catcher, Rodriguez, obviously center field, and last in the order, Dylan Moore taking over right field for Hanager. Starting pitcher, y'all already knew, Logan Gilbert tonight on the mound
4: interesting I wonder why Kelnick's getting the night off well the Rays are gonna go with a bullpen day today Matt Whistler will get the open okay and who knows who's gonna go after him so maybe they're trying to keep Kelnick against you know a guy who's gonna be throwing right-handed most often gotcha I think if the Rays do a bullpen day, They'll look for the matchups. They'll look for a lefty against Kelnick, and gotcha. I think that's why Kelnick might have the night off. I, there could be other reasons, but that yeah. to me seems most likely. most likely. Okay, all right. So
1: if you're just now, just now joining us. Uh, two things you need to know. Number one, per our own Shannon Dreyer, Mitch Hanniger and Paul Seawald out at Tropicana Field. They will not and have not been activated for today. We already know that because of Shannon, but also because the lineup is out. Neither or Haniger is not on it. Seawald wouldn't be on it. But um, there is also no Kelnick in today's lineup. Uh, Dylan Moore in right field. Uh, and uh, yeah, you have uh, can, Abraham. Can I
3: give you a fun stat of the day?
1: Yeah. Stat of the day.
3: Fun stat of the day comes from, you know, our our good buddy, Gary Hill, Jr. MLB, WRC Plus leaders Mm -hmm. as of today. Number one, Ty France, 235. Number two, Mike Trout, 231. Crazy. Say a Suzuki at three, 229. Jose Ramirez, 217. Nolan Arenado at 215. Number six, J.P. Crawford, 214. Heck yeah. Let's go. They're hitting well. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Let's keep it going on the road, please. Yeah,
1: consider that 100 is average. (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. All right. Uh, You are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. This is a really exciting team on the road. Now, they're beginning the first of nine games Three series, this first one against the Rays. Uh, to help us preview, we're going to bring on Rick Riz, voice of the Mariners, coming up next. Later, we're going to bring on G- Brandon Gustafson, talk a bit of uh, Logan Gilbert, and we'll we'll get into the rest of this lineup as well. Do not go anywhere. This is The Dugout.
0: You're listening to The Dugout, every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners.
1: Joining us now the voice of the Mariners, Rick Riz on the Emerald P Casino Sports Club Hotline. Rick, how's it going?
5: I'm fine, Stacy. How are you? Stacy and Jake. I'm doing great. As a matter of fact, I just tested negative. I'm done. Oh good. And I'm gonna join the ball club in Miami. So I can't wait to get out of my house. I've been sequestered at my house for the last nine days <laughs> oh
0: man
1: we can't wait to hear you calling games again we, we can't wait um, and and
0: we glad have missed that you have you. your health we yes. missed you
1: and we're also glad to have you on today that you could join us today to talk about this team because Anytime. Riz, this homestand was wow. phenomenal just a blast
5: oh it really was you know seven and two against houston against texas mm-hmm. which is better they're better offensively and also the Kansas City Royals to win two out of three from Houston and Texas could have swept that series and to sweep Kansas City. Uh, so many things are going right right now. But the thing that really stands out, and I know you guys see it, it's the offense. You know, right now, according to WRC Plus, the number one offensive team in the in the major leagues, and that's quite a turnaround in just one year. Where last year they were one of the worst teams in baseball offensively with a team batting average of two twenty six, but you see it. A, a different philosophy. You see guys that are doing the right things up there in home plate. They're not giving away at bats. Ty France is having a, a, an amazing start, but he had amazing second half last year. I told Shannon, I think he's going to win a batting title, you know, at spring training because he just knows how to hit. But a lot of things are going great. Robbie Ray in the starting rotation, Logan Gilbert's having a great start. The the bullpen and uh, they did it without basically Mitch Haniger. One of their best players, and also Paul Seawall, one of their best relievers. So it's, it's a lot of fun to watch, and there was a lot of energy in the ballpark too, you know, from the fans. So there's a lot, lot of fun things going on right now.
3: Yeah, there, there certainly is. And and Riz, it's 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 one of the things that when you talk about Ty France, I mean, I throw JP in this in this category as well. Yes. Is that you, when you watch them play right now, you know, especially at the start of the season, you know, oftentimes you can see performances and go, well. Yeah, I mean, it's great right now, but you're going to see them fizzle out or they're going to come back, you know, to the mean and all that. And that may very well be the case over, you know, the course of 162 games. But you just watch this mature approach by both of these guys and it just really feels sustainable. How how do you feel about that?
5: No, I, I totally agree because, you know, watching Ty over the last couple of years and, and J.P. Crawford, one thing that we talked about for years was hit the ball the other way. You know, it's so many defensive shifts. There's one side of the infield that's completely open and that's the way the game was played many years ago. These guys did that. The reason JP Crawford turned his season around last year was he said, I hit the ball up the middle and I hit the ball the other way. And he's doing the same thing this year. So that is sustainable, you know, getting yourself in the right position with Ty France. Unbelievable. There's so many good things to talk about this kid. Number one, when he came up with San Diego on the opening day roster in 2020, guys, he was their DH. Remember in the Nash League in 2020, they could use the DH, so he was basically without a position. They had Jake Cronenworth, you know, at second base, who was an all-star. They had Eric Cosma. And and so, uh, you know, he, he had to bide his time. But while he was in college, he learned how to hit by from one of the greatest hitters of all time. Tony Gwynn was the head baseball coach at san diego state university and i asked ty a couple of years ago i said what did he teach you he said he said his approach was for me was to hit the ball as hard as i could up the middle and try to hit it off the batter's eye not for distance but in that direction because then if i was a little bit late i could hit the ball the right field if i was a little bit early i could pull the ball into the gap he was a gap the gap guy but he uses the entire field and now with the Mariners." Early part of last year, he didn't have a position, but with Evan White getting hurt, now he has a position and to be solidified there at first base from now until, you know, whenever, you know, it just gives you that confidence coming to the ballpark where you know you're going to, where you're going to be every day. So he uses the entire field. He learned how to hit the ball. His bat, uh, ball skills are just off the charts. He's not trying to hit home runs, but what happens is you know when you get your pitch and you hit it hard he's been he's been hitting home runs so he's going to the old school days of putting the ball in play with authority and using you know foul line to foul line that's how you hit 300 right? and I think this guy has a batting championship in his near future and it's just so much fun to watch and you're seeing other guys do the same thing
1: um we all focused on Jesse Winker for that trade with the Reds, and we've talked about him a lot. Yeah. And I, I, personally think he's just had some really bad luck to start the season. Gino Suarez, mm-hmm. though, has surprised mm-hmm. me both at the plate and defensively. Um, is there? I, I didn't watch a ton of him earlier. When you watch him play, do you get the feeling of, oh, this is a version of who he can be? This is, you know, kind of who he was in 2019 or prior to that shoulder injury. Um, yep. Because that, to me, is a, a Good news, because it means that he has been and can be that person, if that makes sense.
5: Absolutely, Stacey. He, he can be that guy. He was an all-star, you know, what, two or three years yeah. ago with Cincinnati. And this guy's hit more home runs than anybody in baseball over the last four years. Uh, he hits the ball hard. He can hit the ball the other way as well. He's made some really good plays defensively at third base. I was talking with uh, Marty Brennaman, the longtime Hall of Fame voice of the Cincinnati Reds, right after we made the trade. I was down there at spring training. I said, Tell me about a. Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker. He says, Winker can hit. He said, a. Eugenio Suarez is probably the nicest guy I've met in baseball in 50 years. I said, Marty, you know, you've been in baseball half a century. He said, This is the nicest guy I've ever met in the game. <laughs> but he can play. He can play third base. You know, we thought there was going to be a big hole there losing Kyle Seager. these 35 home runs, his defense, his 100 RBIs. This guy is going to do a great job filling in that role. Driving in runs, hitting home runs, and playing good defense at third base. Plus, he's a lot of fun, you know, with the good vibes only. So, it, it all these guys play a great role. They they fill a great hole at everywhere they're at, and especially in the clubhouse. And you see that Jake and Stacy in the clubhouse at spring training when they have their nine o'clock morning meetings. There's a lot of fun going on. They become a team. Then they go on the field. They work out. Then they play a ball game, and already. It hasn't taken very long at all for this team to gel. I credit Scott Service for that, and the coaching staff. Uh, Chris Degrona has done a great job with Scott Dawn for the last you know, six or seven days. But a. Eugenio Suarez has been a great addition. Jerry Depoto has made some outstanding trades. The San Diego trade to get Ty France, Luis Trenz, Andres Munoz, and Taylor Trammell in that deal for Austin Nolan, Danny Oltavilla and Austin Adams. And the trade with San Diego to give up, yeah, a prospect and Brandon Williamson, and two other guys, but look what they got in return. They got an all-star left fielder and an all-star third baseman. So two great trades by Jerry among the others.
3: Yeah, you're certainly right about that, Rick. And uh, it's exciting to see the start that Logan Gilbert has had, and, and he's going to hit the mound today against a very good uh, Tampa Bay Rays team. What have you seen from Logan Gilbert that has allowed him to have this kind of start, and, and what does he need to do to continue that?
5: I'm going to steal a phrase by Dave Niehaus, my oh my, you know, when I see this kid, he's he's just so good. I, what I see, uh, Jake and Stacey, is a whole bunch of confidence. You know, he last year he didn't make the ball club because he was hurt, and he made one start down at Tacoma and then came up to the big leagues, made his debut on May the 13th against Cleveland, got his first win a few weeks later against the Angels. What I'm seeing is, number one, a kid with, with a lot of ability, obviously. You know, he's a first-round pick out of Stetson. The kid has uh, electric fastball, good slider, curveball, and a changeup. And he knows how to use them. But what you're seeing with young players, a pitcher or a position player, Jake, and you know this, and Stacey, you do too, is that you know when you get to the big leagues, you find out for yourself, do I belong here? And last year, he did that. He found out he belongs here, that his stuff plays. He can strike people out. He can make adjustments when he gets in trouble or gets behind in the count, gets back in the count, knows how to get out of trouble, gets a ground ball, double play behind him. And what I'm seeing now is just a tremendous confidence in this young man to go out there. And he wants to go deep in the games. And you don't see that very often anymore. The Robbie Rays of the world and Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, they all want to go deep in the ball games, And you see this too from uh, Logan Gilbert. And it's just it's all rolled up in that one big tall six foot six package. He knows what he's doing out there. and He's just gaining more and more confidence. So yes, it is definitely sustainable because The more he pitches, the better I think this kid is going to get, and he has a great future in front of him.
1: He is Rick Riz, voice of the Mariners. Riz, glad to hear that you'll be uh, back on that series against the Marlins coming up here, and thanks, as always, for joining us.
5: Anytime, Stacey. Anytime, Jake. Thank you very much, and I can't wait to get back with the ball club. Thank you. you.
1: You are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up next, what kind of Rays team are we going to see? Let's get an actual preview of this three-game series going on. Brandon Gustafson joins us. Don't go anywhere.
0: You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacey on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners.
1: Joining us now in studio, Brandon Gustafson, who covers the Mariners, Seahawks, everything Seattle sports for seattlesports.com. You're wearing, is this an Eugenio-inspired hat you're wearing here, Brandon?
6: (laughs) Nah, just uh, life is good, but that's something that I'm sure Eugenio Suarez says a lot. Not Not just to his friends and family, but to all his great Mariners teammates and coaches as well.
1: All right, so thanks for joining us. Your job today to help us preview this series against the Rays. We have a couple questions about the team as a whole, but I'll start with this. It's early into the season, but what kind of Rays team are we looking at? The perpetually good and competitive one, or have they, fingers crossed, taken a dip in production?
6: (laughs) No, they're they're just a team that, year in and year out, always figures out ways to to beat some of the big bad guys, especially when you're playing against the Yankees and the Red Sox, who perennially have some of the highest payroll in baseball. Mm -hmm. It's a tough lineup. I mean... Just leading off today, Brandon Lau and then Wander Franco. That's about as good of a one-two punch as you're going to see in baseball. So Logan Gilbert has his work cut out for him today, and uh, this is a really good test for a Mariners team. That I mean, they just played two great series against the Texas Rangers and the Kansas City Royals, but those two teams are don't they just don't match up with what kind of uh, team that Tampa Bay has?
3: Well, and that's for sure, and that's why Brandon. You know, it's it's a unique position to be in at this early of the season. You're not you're not saying look. This is exactly who the Mariners are after this one series against a very good playoff team. But at the same time, to your point, you kind of want to figure out and get a sense of who this team is. Are are they the team that struggled on the road? Are they the team that dominated in their homestand? And I think it would be very reassuring to fans here in Seattle if they were able to continue that level of production on the road
6: against a team that you know is going to be in the hunt in you know in October absolutely and the, the Rays have a great pitching staff I mean it, the, the thing with the Rays is it's not a lot of big name guys it never really is uh, Wander Franco uh, one of the best rookies last year he's probably their biggest name guy just because he's been a number yeah. one prospect for so long in baseball and he's actually younger than Julio Rodriguez as crazy as that is to say but they just continually have great pitching great starting pitching great bullpen. So yeah, the Mariners had a great two series, three series at the plate against Houston, against Texas, against Kansas City. This can be a really good test for those guys. And, but the good thing for them is, and this is something that Curtis and I talked about last night on Extra Innings, actually, they're going to be indoors. Show, so. <laughs> by the way. Uh, Fantastic down, show. Download at seattlesports.com. 7
1: to 9 p.m. on Seattle Sports yeah, Station during Mariners off days.
6: But yeah, like they, they're they not going to be dealing with 60-mile-an-hour winds like they were in Chicago, right? <laughs> they're not going to be dealing with 35, 40-degree days in yeah. Minnesota. They're playing indoor for three series on the road. So that that should help the with the hitting side of things for the Mariners. But yeah, just with Tampa Bay, they're going to be running out some good arms, and it's going to be a really good test for Seattle. Seattle. Is somebody like Wander, Wanda Franco uh, you know, a
3: reason why you know people should be excited and optimistic about Julio Rodriguez? Because Wanda Franco, he's off to an amazing start. He did not crush it last year when he came up to the big leagues.
6: Yeah, it took him a little bit to get going. And I think that the jump from AAA to MLB is just, it's wider than it's ever been. And that's mainly with the pitching side of things. And because the game is getting shortened so much, and what I mean by that is... Seeing Robbie Ray be the only pitcher in baseball to go six innings in each of his first four starts... Like that just shows you what you need to know. Teams are ready to get into the bullpen because they have big time arms. We see that here with Seattle mm-hmm. trying to get it to Seawald and Andres Munoz and all those guys. So it's a huge jump. It's a massive jump. And these guys are 20, 21, 22 years old. And the competition is just huge. It's a huge, huge gap. So, yeah, Mariners fans should be optimistic, I think, with Julio. And not just because of Wander Franco, Jake, but he hit 250 that homestand. He was getting on base at a 333 clip. And every time he was on first base, that dude was looking to run. Yes. (laughs) yes. And he's playing a pretty good center field. Uh, He's he's net positive in defensive runs saved right now. He's on pace, I think, for about 10 or 11 defensive runs saved. We've seen the arm a few times. So a lot of promising signs for him. And he doesn't look lost at the plate. I know the strikeout numbers might be a little high. A lot of that's not his fault. But getting to two strikes like he is, that is his fault in some ways. But I think that he's doing better damage on pitches over the plate. He's starting to hit those mistakes. And he's hitting the ball hard. Even on Sunday, that ground ball that he—double uh, play ball, 112 miles an hour off the bat. That was the hardest hit ball on Sunday in all of baseball. So mm. a lot of promising signs for Julio.
1: How about Jared? He's not in the lineup today, obviously. So uh, your quick take, quick reaction to that, but then also what you saw from him during the homestand.
6: I mean, it, it's it's a little bit of like what we saw last year. It's It's not quite like the wheels are spinning too fast and— It's just going, the game is just really speeding up on him. I think it's sped up on him a little bit. I think it is good for him to have a few days off, especially just kind of the way that he's wired. And we know how intense he is. And in a sport, in baseball, where as a hitter, even if you're some of the best, you're failing seven times out of 10. And this is a guy that up until he got to the big leagues has never failed at anything in his entire life. Uh, I don't think it's time to worry necessarily, but I think that coming out of that homestand, Julio looked a little... Little more ready, a little more comfortable than Jared did, but it it was good to see Jared be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark a few times. Those lasers down to right field off the foul pole that that's really promising, and I think that he's playing really good right field too. He looks a lot more comfortable in right field than left field. Yeah, his yeah, throw he's, was great. Yeah, he certainly
3: does. Uh, you know, Brandon, one, I kept asking everybody because I think you could go with a number of different people in this lineup before the season started. Who's your X factor bat? Right? right, and and my pick was Agenio Suarez. Because if he recaptures who he was in from 2015 to 2019, this is one of the best hitters, power hitters in baseball. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously, you don't know what you're going to get over the last two years. So far, th- at least during the homestand, he was brilliant. How big of an impact
6: would that be if he returned more to that form for this lineup oh that'd be huge because you're talking about a guy that's hitting 30 plus home runs driving in close to 100 runs and he's probably hitting fifth or sixth for you because of who you have at the top of the order that's that's pretty stellar and especially last year we saw that team was really carried by good starting pitching especially late and a stellar bullpen they came up with runs late but, as far as guys just kind of carrying the load as as far as the bats go, it was mainly two or three guys It was Seeger it was France and it was Handiger. JP would have his moments, but he's starting to really come into it this year more so than last year as far as at the plate goes. But Suarez is a guy, like you said, Jake, he's one of the best power hitters in baseball, power to all fields. We've seen that already this year. Hitting a home run out to right center field as a right-handed hitter is not an easy thing to do, especially on a cold night like he did in the home opener. So really promising to see what he's been able to put together. A lot of swing and miss to his game. He walked six times in the homestand, struck out just seven. So I think he's really seeing the ball well right now, and that just bodes super, super well for the Mariners. That's all awesome. Awesome. He
1: is Brandon Gustafson. You can find him. In the press box at T-Mobile, but you need, like, identification to get there. So where else can people find you?
6: Yeah, CLSports.com, on Twitter, at the B gustafson and uh, at, on Instagram, at the B gustafson. if you want to see pictures of Maverick, Always. Uh, my golden retriever puppy. He's a good boy. Yeah, yeah, so
1: don't break into the press box. You can find Brandon lots of other places. Brandon, thank you for joining us.
6: Yeah, of course. Anytime. This Thanks, Brandon. Great stuff. This has been
1: The Dugout. All Mariners, every Tuesday, 1 to 2 p.m. It'll be happening all season long, by the way. Thank you to all of our guests today, and everyone, enjoy this one, 3.40 p.m., first pitch. Logan Gilbert on the mound. Let's go, you Mariners. You can hear it right here on Seattle Sports Station. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob are next.